0: Two, two Swing a long Deep left. Way back. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined today by Josh Norris to talk the Cubs system. Josh, the Cubs are in kind of the prime of their uh, franchise's uh, recent history, I guess you could say. I've uh, made the playoffs four straight years, went to three straight NLCS's, and of course that 2016 World Series title. Uh, it's been a fabulous run, a lot of it fueled by homegrown successes, particularly uh, on the offensive side. As we know, when you become successful, all of a sudden those you know top ten picks, the Cubs had five straight of them, start becoming back of the first round picks. And we've seen international rules change a little bit, so a lot of the money the Cubs were able to spend internationally, they can't anymore. But on top of that, they've rightfully traded a lot of prospects for big league pieces to help them contend. As such, the Cubs were one of baseball's best farm systems a few years ago. Now they're closer to the bottom. Just as you did your reporting for the Cubs chapter and the prospect handbook, just take us through the state of the system right now. The word I'd
1: use is transitional. Um, It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, I went in thinking it was probably going to be 29th or 30th overall. And it's not that, but a lot of the guys who were expected to take steps forward did not, uh, or at worst took steps backward. Um, But some of the guys that you might not have expected to jump up did. So instead of a guy like Jose Alberto's kind of jumping on the map, uh, he got what can kind of be described as the yips. I mean, I don't know if it's... Formally the yips or if anything is really formally the yips Uh, But you know, however, he had an obscene number of walks in a small amount of innings I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it wasn't good Uh, He went back from South Bend to Eugene and it didn't get much better there and it didn't sound like it got much better uh, in the uh, at the complex during uh, Instructs and settings like that on the other side of the coin uh, You did have lefty Braylon Marquez who jumped you know, he's a, he's a left-hander who's you know up to 97 with a pretty good breaking ball, a pretty good changeup, and he was really good this year and jumped into I think I put him third in the system. Um, so that was a guy I did not expect to rank so highly. Then again, you know, I uh, I came into this this Cubs system pretty fresh. You know, uh, it had been done in previous years by John Manuel, who is now with the Twins scouting department. Uh, so I kind of went from square one and uh, put some of my ranking philosophies in it, um, and there, it might have looked differently had John done it. Um, I think, um, I, think I, I kind of erred toward upside, rather than some of the guys who you might see next year, but I don't think you're necessarily gonna make a huge impact.
0: You mentioned certain guys taking steps forward. Braylon Marquez was one. Uh, those that stood out to me, just looking at the top 10 list, there are a lot of guys who were 2017, 2018 picks. It's been a lot of refreshing. Uh, Nico Horner, their first rounder this year, best tops the system. But even you go down into Cole Roterer and Brennan Davis, two second rounders this year. Paul Richin and uh, Corey Abbott uh, as well. A lot, of, a lot of recent picks are in this top ten.
1: Right, and I wouldn't you know, say Roterer or Davis or Horner took steps forward simply because they weren't there last year. They, they took their first steps. Um, Corner was a guy who, you know, it, 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 I put him number one because I like the way the Cubs have drafted hitters. And I think, you know, anybody, even the most staunch Cubs rival would say the Cubs have drafted hitters pretty well in the last few years. Just look at their current lineup. Um, so I'm betting on the guys who, who saw, you know, uh, Chris Bryant and Ian Happ and Albert Almora and guys like that I'm betting on those guys to get it right again and you know his pro debut was cut short short enough in fact that i couldn't rank him in the northwest league because he didn't have enough time i really would have liked to have had him in the northwest league um but he you know was a baller in the arizona fall league he was up there in a lot of offensive categories he did that as a first-year pro um against you know some of the best talent uh minor leagues has to offer so that really kind of helped me a lot in my ranking process there that's kind of validated even though it's a six-week sample against guys who are sometimes tired uh it it validates his uh credentials as a hitter to me
0: there's no question when i went out in the arizona fall league it was uh, about two at bats just watch the way his swing works his balance his timing all the little things you look for it was like yep this guy can hit and i had a couple of uh professional pitchers who had pitched against him at various points what's the cape cod league in college or other showcases be like, yeah, he was like the one guy I couldn't get out. Uh, you mentioned the Cubs' success developing, uh, developing hitters. Uh, as part of our uh, If Every Team Was Homegrown series I did last year, I looked at the strengths and weaknesses of each team. Here's a list of guys the Cubs either drafted or signed initially that played in the dirt. Starling Castro, Josh Donaldson, Chris Bryant, Josh Harrison, DJ LeMayhew, um, Wilson Contreras, Justin Bohr, Javier Baez, Marwin Gonzalez, and oh, by the way, Ian Happ. I, I you can think, see why
1: they traded some of them.
0: Right. I mean, this is a an organization that I'm, when it comes to drafting and identifying not just hitters, but hitters who play the infield, it's unmatched across baseball. And I think anytime you take, you, you mentioned trusting this Cubs staff, when they say, hey, we're going to take this shortstop from Stanford who can hit, you're going to trust that given their track record.
1: Right. And also given Horner's track record in a, you know, a, a decent, a, a very good school uh, in a pretty good conference too, you know, produced the, the College World Series Champion Beavers. And he, you know, did very, very well for three years at Stanford. You know, his uh, intangibles were off the mark, or off the charts. Uh, you know, you talk about leadership qualities, you talk about guys that could be up there as kind of future captains. You know, this is, this is a guy who checks a lot of boxes, both with the bat and uh, kind of in the, in the dugout.
0: Beyond Horner, Miguel Amaya was someone who spent some time in the top 100 last year, was a futures gamer, was the number one prospect for the Cubs on their midseason list. What kind of uh, input were you getting on on Miguel, both from internal sources and opposing scouts? You know,
1: he had a—and I don't want to be cliché here, but I will—he had uh, a tale of two seasons. Uh, His first half was really freaking good, and he got to the futures game because of that. but also, he kind of went off a cliff in the second half. And I you know, personally attribute that to, if I remember the stat correctly, his games caught this year were double what he had in his career. So you can understand, it's kind of like you know, if you put two d- donuts on a bat and then you swing and it's, it, it's going to be a problem. But I think you'll see the benefits next year for him when he, you know, his, he's had that big workload. He's, he's done what he's supposed to do, and you'll see him perform from April till September next year. Um, you're talking about a guy who's, who's gonna be a hitter for average, people think, um, with a, a bit of power as well. Uh, I think he'll be a pretty stable defensive catcher. That's why I have him, too, uh, in that system. I, I, I bet high on upside guys. especially for premium positions because if you show any hint of being able to do you know to to catch I'm going to rank you high because the state of catching in the big leagues is never particularly great especially when it comes to offensive catchers so even though a lot of those guys do flame out if you show me at an early age and he is at an early age that you can do that then I'm going to put you high and
0: I did. The Cubs have not had a problem drafting guys who can hit and play in the dirt, as we've discussed. What they have had a problem developing is pitching, both on the international market and the, uh, the drafting market. We've seen them draft a lot of arms the last two drafts in particular. Right now, the top-ranked pitcher uh, is Braylon Marquez. Um, Adbert Alzalea is someone else who's a little bit closer. Uh, he had some injuries, but he's still got a, a solid prospect stock, coming in at number six in this system. Where is he and how close is he to really helping the Cubs? I mean,
1: he would have been in the big leagues last year if he wasn't injured. I'm blanking on what his injury was. But, you know, he's a guy that it's, he was starting to get it. Uh, there were just some, some final edges to polish off. Uh, and I think he would have been there sooner rather than later given a the pit, the pitching staff woes that befell, uh, the Cubs and just, I think he got a, would have bullied his way there. I think he's a, a guy who has an upside of a mid rotation, you know, uh, might not necessarily get there, but I've seen him before and I liked him a lot. Uh, so we'll, we'll see this year. I'm sure he's going to go back to A Iowa to get that, whatever polish he needed to add, um.
0: And then we'll see uh, if he can be one of the better homegrown pitchers for the Cubs in a while. He's 23 years old. Uh, it was only eight starts in Iowa last year, 39 two thirds. What are the odds he ends up in the bullpen given his stuff? What, what was that kind of? Uh, you know, I mean, I, that feedback? wasn't
1: really talked about just yet. You, I think you have to fail first as, as a starter yeah, before you...
0: his stuff. Is there the arsenals there There's... to start? Yes. Yes. Last year, Aramis Adaman was the number one prospect in this system. This year, he remains in the top ten, but he had a pretty tough year with Myrtle Beach in the High Class A Carolina League. What was the general feedback you were getting on him in the season he had?
1: They jumped him too quickly. He he didn't have uh, a whole lot of time. I don't if I don't if I recall correctly, at South Bend, and he was one of the he might have been the youngest player in the Midwest League to start. No, he wasn't because the Padres had 19, 17 year olds. Um, but he was one of the younger guys to start. He was one of the younger guys to start the year in the Carolina League. The Padres are in the Midwest League. Um, in the so, California League for high, eh? yeah. but I was thinking of, of Fort Wayne. Yeah. In any case, he was one of the younger guys in the Carolina League to start the year, and he just got overwhelmed. I mean, I think his prospect stock has uh, dimmed a little bit, as it was reflected by the ranking. Uh, you didn't see a whole lot of impact with the bat. You saw a smaller guy. He saw an okay defender, but you know it was universally it was kind of like, this is your number one prospect. That's not what you want. <laughs> and uh, I think he'll probably go back to Myrtle Beach this year, see if he can't build off of this year, kind of use this as a, as a, a chip on your shoulder sort of sort of scenario, and rebound a little bit against familiar competition. So I'm, I, I don't want to close the book on a you know twenty year old, but and, which is why I kept him you know either, you know, around the top tier of this system. So, and I, I don't, I'm not super worried about Aramis Ottoman. I I think the talent is still there, but
0: you may, the ceiling may have dropped a little bit. Yeah, you mentioned him not having a ton of time. He played only 29 games at South Bend with the Midwest League last year, and then they jumped into Myrtle Beach, and I saw him a couple times here this year. I had the joke was, whenever I showed up, he actually hit for me. Um, but you know the comparison that jumped to my mind, and you mentioned just being physically overwhelmed. There were times I felt like I was watching like what an average eighth grader would look like playing high school varsity football. Like there were some skills there, but the physical development was just so far below where his you know where the guys he was playing, he was getting crushed. And you know even saw it you know saw it at the plate, getting overwhelmed sometimes. You saw it in the field. Uh, I remember a couple times. You know, just watching him try and make the throw from deep in the hole, like the strength isn't there yet. You know, I saw, you know, a young kid who actually handled, you know, the strike zone okay. I did see him make some hard contact to all fields. Like I saw the skills there and I get it. But again, it was just like, for me, it was like, again, I I just go back to watching someone who's not physically ready to be playing against people, you know, not twice his size, but so significantly larger, stronger, more physically mature that the skills get overshadowed and that was just my my thought watching him is again I felt like I was watching a you know a talented middle schooler but still middle schooler facing, you know, playing you know, top-end high school varsity football. It's just going to get physically overwhelmed. It's pretty
1: rare that anybody faces anybody literally twice their size. Even Jose de Altuve true. to Aaron Judge yeah, isn't is twice their size. But, that would but, be even more monstrous.
0: But, but, I, but uh, at the end of the day, I, I, you're right. I, I did see the skills. I did see the tools. He just very clearly was not ready either experience-wise or physically.
1: Let, we, I, we skipped over Roterer and and Davis who are two guys I'm very, very excited about in this system. We'll talk about uh, this uh, regime's ability to identify bats. Um, I don't want to excite Cubs fans too much, but the name Andrew Benintendi was thrown out inside and outside the org when discussing Cole Rotorer.
0: I got that too doing a draft calls on him.
1: So, you know, there's something to dream on. He had a darn good debut in the azl um davis uh they internally they believe he has some of the best power potential in the organization uh it didn't show up necessarily in the stat line but the swing and the strength are there and there's a little bit of there's athleticism as well because he was a, a basketball player i believe in high school as well defensive player of the year for uh his high school district or what what have you But we're also neglecting the most impressive part of brennan davis's life which is the fact that this man has two alpacas and they are named marco and polo so and i i i almost ranked him number one but not really on on that fact alone but that's just a baller move for an 18 year old
0: (laughs) you know what it made made the draft report card a lot more fun
1: yeah yeah i i uh I, I heard that, and I was like, "There's no way that that's not getting in the draft report card because that has got to go on your card under intangibles." You know, raises alpacas as an 18-year-old. Come on.
0: You know, Rotor and Davis are, are two very different guys. Uh, Rotor is listed at six foot one, seventy-five. That's probably a little bit of a generous listing. Whereas you know he's left-handed hitter, left-handed hitter. Whereas Davis is six four, 175, four, one seventy-five, right-handed hitter, more that you know, raw, pure, you know. You know, guy that that's going to take some time. Where Rotor's seen a little more advanced skills. When you compare and contrast these guys, you ultimately ranked Rotorer higher, even though Davis was drafted higher. What kind of went into you know?
1: I mean, the scouts came back and just loved Cole Rotorer. Just loved him. I could have put him at two if I were being really aggressive. Uh, Davis is just a little. He's got a little more ways to go. There's. It might be a higher ceiling but there's a longer way to go to get to that ceiling just because of you know it's a guy who didn't necessarily focus all his attention on baseball you can look at it the way in a couple ways either he didn't focus attention all on baseball or he increased his athleticism by by you know diversifying his sport portfolio as it were um he he did he's he's i would be very excited to see one or both of these guys in south bend next year although i'd have to Go far. I go see them in South Bend.
0: For Cubs fans, uh, you know, you talked about upside of, of both of these guys. You know, Horner is going to move fast. He is the number one prospect in the system. For you, is his upside equivalent to these guys, or are these guys higher upside farther away?
1: Higher upside farther away. Um, I think Horner is going to be that guy who, I mean, if he hits the ceiling, he's kind of your rock in the middle of an infield. Um, he might not be, you know... Carlos Correa or Alex Bregman or your superstar, but he'll be a darn good player. He's not going to be, you know, a, a, an o, OFP of like a seven or anything like that. But it's going to be a, a, a keystone type player, but maybe not like a superstar. If if that's kind of making sense there. Very good, not necessarily elite.
0: Beyond this top ten. There's always sleepers in every system, but the system depth does drop off pretty quickly here. Uh huh. Anyone that you have, you know, you're going to keep your eye on, kind of intrigues you beyond this top ten.
1: I mean, I didn't, I, I, didn't completely give up on Jose Alberto's. I, I know velocity isn't everything, but it's a lot. I, I dinged him, but I still hold out hope. You know, it's, it's a really bad year, but you know, I've, I grew up watching, uh, covering Trenton Thunder uh, with Dallin Batansis. And that was a guy who, on any given night, could look either like he currently does or a guy who might not get out of the first inning. And, but you still, when you go back and you look at him, you saw, you know, upper 90s to triple digit fastball, a hellacious breaking ball, and, you know, the intimidating mound presence. And it took a long time but it got there. So I do bet, I've said it before in this podcast, I bet on upside a lot. I bet on tools. I bet on things like that. And although they didn't fully come out, I think Alberto's problem was more mental than it was physical. And you know, some, I had a couple scouts say that you know, on their own, the stuff wasn't terrible, but something was wrong between the ears that was causing you know, his massive control problems. So I, I would hope and look for a rebound from that guy.
0: We alluded a little earlier in the podcast the fact that the Cubs had spent a lot of draft picks on college arms recently. Uh, Brendan Little was a first-rounder uh, a year ago. Keegan Thompson, Eric Yulman, Thomas Hatch, some guys with some name recognition out of the college ranks. Uh, Alex Lang, another, another big-name recognition guy. Did any of these guys get, get a lot of positive reports or not so much considering none of them made the top 10?
1: No, they didn't get a lot of love. I mean... Um, I don't know how to sugarcoat it. They didn't get a lot of love. Um, a lot of people were disappointed in all of those guys. So uh, there were some, I think one scout referred to BP fastballs. Um, or it, there was a, there were major red flags with all of them. So I wish I could say something sunnier about these guys. Now we did skip over one guy. Uh, and that, not a pitcher, but... Uh, Thomas Hatch, he he is a pitcher. No, I'm sorry, Thomas Hatch. Uh, Zach Short is the one I'm thinking of. Uh, he played all-world defense at shortstop, uh, which is great because his name is Zach Short. But he also hit like 18 home runs, and you know part of that was a sell-out for power approach. But it's still there. It's still the, he still has the ability to hit the ball over the fence, and you know a shortstop who has the ability to hit the ball over the fence. Is going to get some love, and uh, he had his, um, his fans in the southern, uh, yeah, the southern League. I think he showed up his best defensive shortstop in the, in the Southern League Best Tools, too. So that's a guy I would watch, too. I, again, I think we're coming back to a theme here. Position players in this system um, tend to have d- fared better than their pitching counterparts.
0: It's obviously something that will need to be reversed here for the Cubs to uh, start extending this window as some of their, their free agent pitchers they sign start to age out the John Lester's of the world. But uh, their position player, of course, is still really young. We've seen them swing some trades for some pitchers. We've seen them obviously hand out some big contracts. So they have the, uh, the ability to go get some arms, but it's obviously a lot easier if you can uh, home, grow, uh, home grow a few of them. A lot easier and a lot cheaper too. Very, very much so. Josh, before we wrap up, uh, just any final thoughts on on the Cubs, both the system and the big league team as a whole?
1: Um, the system, I think, and I think this is not breaking any ground here, but with really good, solid first seasons from Rotoru and Davis, and maybe a continued success from Braylon Marquez, they could, you know, jump. I won't say significantly, but they could jump up the rankings uh, next year. There's. I have very high hopes for Rotor and Davis. Let's put it that way. I I think those guys could be very, very, very good.
0: Absolutely. We will definitely keep an eye on them as they make their way out to full season ball with South Bend this year. Josh, thank you so much for, for your input. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody.